Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. to this Monday edition, this May edition of the Great Scott Show. How was your weekend, everybody? What'd you do this weekend? Maybe watch a little baseball, softball, probably followed the NFL draft, watch some NBA playoffs, enjoy the weather, whatever it was. I hope it was great. Thanks for hanging out with me this morning. How would you grade your weekend? Letter grade. Like, what if we did that every single Monday? Nothing wrong with it. How was your weekend? Uh, C plus, B minus, a little hard on myself. You know, I got the lawn lawn mode, but I wasn't able to edge. You know, I was a few minutes late to the kid's birthday party. I was picking them, too. And, you know, I cooked some pretty good steaks on the grill, though. But, man, the sides, I burnt the asparagus. So some good, some bad, you know, but came out of it pretty good. Enjoyed some time with the wife. Overall, yeah, you know, I'm going to go ahead and give it a B plus. With the church, good Sunday, tithe, all that. My team's won, whatever it is, whatever, however you want to grade your weekend. I could ask Coach Jerry Glasgow, who's joining me at 715, or Coach Matt Deggs at 815, how would you grade the performance in, in the series you just played? Right? They might give me a different answer, but it's done. It happened. It's not based on what's going to be. When it comes to the NFL draft, it happened. It happened. But it's not a game. It's a projection. Don't get me wrong. There's a whole lot of competition in the NFL draft. It is. A, it, it is not a game on the field, but it's a game. It's mind games. It's evaluators. It's it's all of that. But I, I, I tell you guys every single year, you grade drafts three years from now. You want to give some early grades? Give it an I, incomplete. But what if you came out of a weekend... You know, on a Monday, I asked Coach Glasgow or Coach Deggs, hey, why don't you, you know, you, you had a player on your team this week. You know, they, they played over a third. How would you grade their performance this weekend based on how it's going to be in four years? What? What are you talking about? Hey, I'm not, I'm not asking you to grade this past weekend, Coach. I'm asking you to grade how that player is going to perform in the future, months from now, years from now. They're not going to answer that question. I get it. I get why we have mock drafts. I read them. I get why we have draft grades. I read them. But when it comes to the New Orleans Saints, you have draft grades 
You can go to reputable, and by reputable, I mean sports websites that mean something. They're not just somebody in their basement that's a fan. Like, legit, have a staff, have workers, all that stuff. They follow the game. And you can see everything from grade A through F. And I'm not even kidding. Because most mock drafts had the Saints selecting good players of positions of need. Chris Olive, Trevor Penning. And for a lot of pundits, when they had those guys that they had on their mock draft go to the team that they said they'd go to, well, naturally, as a as a analyst and a pundit, you're going to want to give them a good grade because you could point to me and say, I said this is what they needed, and they got those two players. They had to give up something to get them, so I won't give them maybe an A. I'll give them a B. Then you'll find a pundit that maybe didn't have them on the list, and they're going to say, what a terrible draft. They only got five players. Only the Dolphins got less, and the Dolphins gave up picks for guys like Tyreek Hill. The Saints' window isn't open like it used to be. This, is, this isn't me talking. This is what you can read places, right? Draft pundits. Why are they making all-in moves? They gave up way too much, way too many picks. They don't have a first-rounder next year. It's all part of this. You take all that into account, that's bad. They didn't have a third or fourth round pick. Look, look what they've done in the third and fourth rounds in the past. Guys like the recent past, guys like Paulson Adebo, guys like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, guys like, oh, Trey Hendrickson, who's not with the Saints anymore, but an all-pro in Cincinnati, guys like Alvin Kamara. The same thing holds true today that held true a few weeks ago, or rather it was almost a month ago now, when the Saints made the trade with the Eagles to get two first-round picks, you're going to hate it next year. Trust me, when, you're, when your team, if you're a Saints fan, when you're getting ready for the draft and you don't have a pick in the first round, you're not going to be as excited. Trust me. Maybe they'll release some crazy expensive movie trailer like the Rams did. When Does anyone know who the Rams picked? They didn't pick to the third round. Probably not. But that trailer was cool. Hey. The Saints... Got players that, if their talent talent evaluators got it right, the Saints are clearly, clearly, extremely confident in their ability to evaluate talent. If they weren't, they would not constantly move up. If they weren't, they would give themselves a much wider margin of error by, instead of giving up picks, acquiring more picks. Still tick. They gave up a compensatory pick next year to sign Andy Dalton. Has nothing to do with what happened this past weekend. It just ticks me off. But I got my inbox, and it was, Scott, what what grade do you give the Saints? I'm like, what grade would you give your weekend two years from now based on the weekend you just had? Huh? Not even grade. I don't like that they give up a lot of picks because when you have more picks, the Patriots have whiffed on so many picks, but oh my God, I'm talking in the last 25, 20 years. Oh, but it's the Patriot, Patriot way. How is that possible? You know, it's possible. They acquire so many picks that when they whiff on some, they have enough that they hit on that it doesn't matter. More at bats, you're going to get more hits. Oh, look at the average. I'm just, it ain't about average in the NFL. It's about getting players in the draft that are going to play and play well. And do I think the Saints got two guys that are going to do that? Probably so, yeah. Probably so. 
Trevor Penning, everything you read about him, you talk about that guy tough as a... Chris Alvey, I mean, they, they they needed a receiver desperately. And once they saw two receivers go back-to-back, they said, we got to move up and get our guy. Got to. They needed it. Two positions of need, two players they needed. Oh, James Hurst. Give me, give me a... If you get a starting left tackle for five years on a rookie deal. Now, if you whiff on it, uh-oh. Alante Taylor out of Tennessee. They got him in the second round. Is he going to play corner? Is he going to play save? He's going to play corner. DeMarco Jackson, fifth round out of App State. I think he'll contribute on special teams this year. I think he's talented. I think the Sun Belt had their most their most draft selections ever in a draft. And shout, and, and, and shout out to the Cajuns, Max Mitchell and Percy Butler going in the fourth round. Only 111th, 113th overall. And then you have um, Chauncey Gardner, excuse me, Chauncey Manack, Farad Gardner, and Levi Lewis all signing UDFA deals. Speaking of Max Mitchell, before we talked to Coach Glasgow, and then after we talked to Coach Glasgow, open up phone lines, here is the call from the Jets to Max Mitchell. number of guys for the Jets talked to him on the phone, but it's always cool to hear that moment, right? Oh, is this Max? Max, what's up? This is Chris Nolan from the New York Jets. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? So uh, I don't know if you remember me, but I was the area scout who uh, fall camp. I talked to you. I, I met you at the Senior Bowl. But absolutely, we're, uh, we're we're taking you here with our pick. Oh man, thank you so much. <laughs> you excited? Oh my god, I'm so excited, I'm man. Excited thank y'all. I've never done this before either, so it's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's pretty exciting, both. <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. Let's go, Max. Let's do it. Hey, Max, Max Joe Douglas go. with the Jets. Yes, How you doing, man? Doing? I'm we got good, a fired up great. draft room right now, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome, welcome to the Jets, man. Max, Thank what's you. going on, brother? How you doing? I'm great. Congratulations. Dreams come true, right? Oh, um, my goodness. We're, we're I can't excited. believe it. We're excited to make this pick. You can hear the room. There's a lot of guys really excited about your ability to come in here, compete, and uh, make a difference out here, man. You ready to do that? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'm ready to go. Hey, Max, you hear the uh, hear yes, the yelling sir. in the background? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you hear that? Max, that's all for you, man. We're so happy to have oh, you. Let's go. So, oh, I'm, I'm so <laughs> no, this is this is really really big, and you're gonna love it here. That's cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. Raise your Cajun softball. Break out the broom. Good stuff. Sweep. Raise your Cajun softball. Coach Glasgow's message to the fans. Home games are done. But there's a lot of work still to be done. We're going to talk to Coach Jerry Glasgow, head coach of the Raise Cajun softball team. We weren't able to last week as he was coming back from a long road trip. I know he's glad to be back at home last week. We've got a lot to get into with him. After that, we'll open up phone lines. More on the NFL Draft, NBA Playoffs. Coach Degg's coming up at 8.15. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Just don't sit in the corner playing Keno in the casino. Wanna look your number 
The biggest names in sports are talking to you every day on the Rich Eisen Show with me, Rich Eisen. I know! Every weekday from noon to 3, right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. He peaked athletically in the seventh grade. Do you know what a hero you are to me? I presume you're referring to my four touchdowns in one game. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. The best ticket in sports. Joining me now, the head coach of the Rage Occasion softball team, Coach Jerry Glasgow, on a uh, Monday morning after a series sweep uh, against Coastal Carolina Friday and then a doubleheader on Saturday. They celebrated Senior Day as well. And uh, they've got only three games left in the regular season, man. It's hard to believe we're already here in the month of May. Good morning, Coach. How are you feeling? Good morning. Doing great. You know, I I, I see the, the doubleheader Saturday and how it unfolds. And, you know, I guess we can start with this young lady because we were talking about her a couple of weeks ago in doing all of the little things and what she brings to the table. But... Having a senior in Melissa Mayu contribute, perform the way she did, um, you know, it, 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 she was tremendous in game one. But uh, she's been tremendous when she's played for you um, for, for her efforts on a senior day. And I'd love for you to hit on all the seniors. But starting with her, just based on what unfolded Saturday, Coach, you know, as a coach, when you've got a lot of different players that, that you're dealing with every year on every team, what dynamic uh, does her personality bring to the team and how important it is for your ability to, to do your job with the rest of the team? Yeah, when, Melissa's special in the sense that she just works hard. She wants to play every game, but she doesn't ever complain or, you know, show, show her frustration when she doesn't play. And... She's been really good. Like, this has been a year where, you know, I don't ever use the word rebuilding. I never, ever think of <clears throat> rebuilding. But you're growing players this year. This is a year where, you know, we had a bunch of young kids, freshmen and sophomores, first-year player, Jordan Campbell. And you, you've, you've got those kids now for four years, and you have to grow them as softball players, and sometimes that's counterproductive to the older kids who, you know, you know who they are, you know what they are, you know what they can do, and some kids make that, you know, they they really make it hard for you to coach and treat veteran players that you know exactly what they can do, and you set them on, on the side a little bit, you know, as you go through the season so that you can get a really good look and and begin to understand your freshmen and and keep your freshmen 
um, you know, feeling value and feeling excited about the future and knowing that you're investing time in them on the playing field. And Melissa made that really easy. And I think when I think of it from a coaching perspective, that's what I appreciate. Every time I put her out there, she does the job. I know she's a great player. I know she's got great talent. But she's not not a high-maintenance player. She's not a kid that um, wants you to give her more than she gives you. She wants to give you. She wants to give the program everything she can. And, and she's done just a, a phenomenal job. You look at her. You know, her average is up there over the 350 all year. She's hitting the ball with power. She's driving in RBIs. She's playing flawless defense. You watch her get a triple, and she runs the bases so hard. You know, there's been a couple times lately where she scored from first on a triple, and there's been uh, where she's hit triples, and it always impresses me how fast she runs around the second base bag. And she just gets great effort. So can't say enough about a kid like her. I mean, she come here from Dade, Miami Dade Junior College, and just wanted the opportunity. And uh, you know, I got her because of, I coached with um, Jenny Gladding in the pro league, and uh, Gladding and her husband were coaching the French national team. And they said, "Look, this kid's a phenomenal kid. She just needs to work on her hitting. She needs to develop her hitting. We want her to come and play for you if you want her." And um, I took her sight unseen just based on the comments and the admiration from Jenny, o, Jenny Gladding, uh, who had won national championships in Florida and coached with Tim Walton for a number of years. And I knew that if she thought she was that special at the end of the day, I would think she was special. And, and that was a, that was a lucky break in, in my coaching career when, when we were able to sign. Melissa Mayu, because she's been really, really important to us here over this past uh, three years. You know, you, you entered this season with, you only had a few seniors. I guess where I'm going, Coach, is oftentimes when you have a senior-laden team, the, the, the talk of the team is, man, they're going to lean on the senior class. They have all this experience. When you have a team with a lot of youngsters, it's the irony is, if you only have a few seniors, the focus is, you know, probably for, for numerical reasons, is on the all the newcomers, all the young players, all the freshmen. And I'm I'm guilty of it, and I've talked about it a lot. But it's almost like when you only have, you know, one or two, when you don't have very many upperclassmen, um, the the amount that you lean on them individually is greater than when you have a senior laden team. And so, and, and, and getting back to Melissa and what she's able to do and, and sort of the example you can set just by playing, the irony is when you don't have, you know, a team full of upperclassmen or seniors, it's, you don't hear the, boy, you're going to have to lean on them a ton. When you do have a lot of seniors, that's the talk. But tell you what, when you've got a lot of newcomers, I guess is coach, you, you lean on those experienced players even more because you want to feel like you know what you can count on with them while, you know, you're dealing with assimilating new players that, you know, don't have a lot of experience to the college game. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, you know, I'm going to clear something up while we're here because we've actually got three seniors, Rain O'Neill, her, we were hoping we applied for an extension of her five-year clock. Her five-year clock became a six-year clock because of COVID in 2020. And we were hoping 
that the NCAA would grant her a seventh year um, because of the injury last year and it occurring early in the sixth game of the season. And that, and uh, but the NCAA didn't grant that. They said, no, that's you know, six years is enough. We're not going to grant an extra year of eligibility. So we didn't get that. You know, we got declined on the seventh year. So she's she's a senior. This is her last year of eligibility. And I noticed that some people were thinking she had one more year. So that's, you know, Rain is to be celebrated as a senior. That's what the NCAA, that's what she is, because the NCAA didn't want to give us a redshirt year. She'd already used a redshirt year when she transferred here from Texas Tech. And um, so we, we went into the season. We knew that, I think, early. I think we knew that in the fall. But anyway, we, we had... Raina and Melissa, just tremendous um, leadership at the top, and and we're very lucky to have those kids. And and unfortunately, you know, Raina ended up losing a lot of this year with the injury. I think it occurred in the twelfth game of the season. So it was good to see her back on the field. And again, like. Like Melissa, she she's just an extremely talented player that gives us a lot of um, a lot of talent and experience when she is able to be out there on the field. So, and then Ari Ari actually has another year of eligibility left, but she's decided to go ahead and graduate and get back out on the on the West Coast, close to family, and that's 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 fine. That was she come in here, you know, hoping to. Um, pick up a starting position on our team, and and we had a bunch of freshmen coming, and we didn't know. You know, you never know what they're how they're going to develop or how they're going to play their first year. And she's provided great leadership and great um, competition for them. Anytime we've asked her to play, uh, she's done really well. She got off to a kind of a cold start, hitting, and then. Now she's up over 300. I know the last 10 games she had a 500 batting average. So she's really come on here late in the season. And as we go to her down the stretch, we know that we've got a, a player with Pac-12 experience uh, of championship mentality. And uh, very lucky to have her to add depth to our ball club this year. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned I think she's a 290 now, Coach. Um, uh, you know, a pair of hits this past weekend and – coming along late is so those those are the players that you know for certain um you know will be will be done with ul softball after this season and you still got a lot of a lot of goals in mind uh, any anyone else or are those the ones in particular at this point that you guys know for sure okay this is this is the last ride with them yeah those are the only three that we know at this time has told us they won't be back and the way the the game is now with the portal and you know we got seven freshmen hitting over 325. I think we got six freshmen hitting over 340. And you got two sophomores hitting over 370. Um, it's going to be tricky. You know, like, the, just the way the game is, like, everyone wants to play, everyone wants to start. And the NCAA has made it very easy to switch from one program to another. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you always plan that, you always have that in your head that you, you may have a loss after the season or two. But as of right now, I don't. I, I'm hoping that we can bring back the entire freshman class because I think they're the the, the four year. You know, they we really. 
I've, from day one, I've said this since 2018, and I don't know why it surprises people, but in January of 2018, I was, you know, telling the kids in this freshman class and, and anyone that listened, I was telling that we would build our program around that class when they got here. And that's, I've done exactly what I said I would do since 2018, and I'm glad that it, I wish I could have did it a year sooner, but you can't rebuild around a class that doesn't have enormous talent. We were very, very fortunate when we were able to pick up Piscos uh, in the 2020 class, a kid that could play anywhere. And and it's just really bright for our future to have that many talented players. And then, and then we were able to add to it, you know, um, Jordan Campbell, who's been over 400 all year and, Unfortunately, we lost her to an injury here the last week or two, but I think she'll be able to at least help us in some ways going down the stretch. <clears throat> but to add her two Piscos was a huge break, and and now next year's class will come in, and they're they're very talented. We've got some really talented pieces in that class coming in next year, and we'll have our program exactly where we want it positioned for the next few years. So. Really exciting, and you got to give great credit. You know, we we were able to keep our program extremely competitive since 2018 when we lost. I don't know how many transfers we lost during the coaching transition, um, but, you know, we lost in double-digit numbers of players and really talented players like Sanders and Creighton and um, – we were able to use the transfer portal to create competitive ball clubs, but you can't create that team feeling with sure. the transfer portal like you do with kids that come in out of high school and kids that you can build and, and you know, mold into the mentality that you want for a four-year period or a three-year period. And so that's the exciting thing. We're really grateful for the kids that we've been able to have Kids that come in and made great contributions in a short period of time, like Sierra Bryant and Caitlin Alderain and Sarah Hudak and on and on. But the contributions you're going to be able to see a kid like Alexa Langleyers um, make over a four-year period or Maddie Hayden over a four-year period, it's, going to, it's really good for our program and what we want our program to be about. Coach Jerry Glasgow, I guess you, you mentioned a number of players. Coach, who, where, from a health standpoint, where are you guys heading into this last conference series? Yeah, we're good. I mean, we've got three pitchers, all healthy, no arm problems at all. Uh, and Carly Heath has kind of moved over and taken a little bit more reps in the, in on the defensive side of the ball, which we hadn't done all fall and early in the spring. Um, because she was helping us with the pitching, but she's she's out there working now at outfield and even first base. Um, I I feel good. I, I mean, it's a huge loss to to lose Jordan Campbell on defense, and and obviously you lose Maddie Hayden, and I don't know how long she's going to be out, but even when she comes back, will she be a hundred percent? That was a that's two big blows right there down the stretch run but we were you know we were able to um continue to win and you know get 
were winning games without Maddie and Jordan, which was two your two and three hole hitters who had both been over four hundred all year, and and even right now they're I think three seventy and three ninety or three sixty eight and three ninety. I mean that's two big pieces, but we're still winning, so that's a great thing, and that's what we've become as a program. You know we don't we've no one in the country's been had more injuries than we have the last two years and and we win so that's important and we're fine i mean just let's play ball let's go 15 of the last 16 uh in the w column coach and you got three more left in the regular season and the margin for error in terms of the sun belt and where you want to finish is uh it's pretty slim Uh, you've played a number of more games in south alabama uh, you know, you were able to beat them, but in terms of just conference loss, you're right there at the same with four. Uh, so you still got to take care of business, obviously, to, to check off one of the many goals you guys have this season down the final stretch. What's the key for you guys to go in there, get your 73rd straight Sunbelt Series, but more importantly, I think, you know, making sure that you, you secure the Sunbelt this uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in your matchup against the Warhawks. Yeah, I mean it's just we got to show up and play, play good in all phases of the game. And if we hit well, and we play defense well, and we pitch well, if we, if we do all three of those things to our capability, we'll win the games. So that's the good part about it. We've got enough talent on our team, even though sometimes we lack in experience. Um, that's going away with each passing game. I mean, you look back at. These kids were sixteen and eight, you know, twenty-four games in the season. They were sixteen and eight, and and then you go down the stretch, you know, you've you've won twenty-two of your last twenty-five. What's the difference? Well, it's experience. It's not talent. They got the same amount of talent you had early in the year. Maybe you have less talent in your dugout um, with the departure of some kids, but you've got you've got experience now, and you've got kids that. We're all going in the same direction. Everybody's paddling on the boat the same way, <laughs> you know, and uh, that's important. You get everybody. My dad used to say, you know, get everybody paddling the boat up the stream, same direction, and nobody in the back of the boat knocking holes in the bottom of it. And and once you get that, then you, you, you've got a chance for greater success. And the kids have really gained experience. Uh, they know how to play the game better now. Um, Little things like, you know, hit and run on a two and oh count is, is more routine for them. They understand what's happening. Um, so if we just simply go out and play the game to our ability in every area of the game, defense, pitching and offense, we'll win all three games this weekend. That's where we, uh, where we've struggled was with a consistency of every, you know, of our team or our ball club doing the, all the things that they should do and need to do on a regular, consistent basis. And I feel like we've we've grown as a ball club and we understand more of the responsibility we have in each area. And I think we can do that and get that done. Cajuns, uh, three games this Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Monroe, and then off uh, to Mobile for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament and after that, regionals. And I know their goal is... OKC coach um, no more home games this season I know some fans obviously you, you got well, one of the best fan bases in, in the country there are going to be some fans that travel but there's 
There's nothing like a home game at Yvette Girard Field at Lampson Park. Uh, just to, to summarize how the fans have been this season, you know, we're, we're past, you know, COVID and some of the restrictions and other things like that. What's what, what has the fan base been like this season for, for the home games that, you know, now as we enter in May, there's, uh, there's, there's none left on the schedule right now. Yeah, fans are amazing. They, uh, they've just been relentless in their support of our program and, and really, it's gotten bigger each year. I just feel like our fans are, you know, I've been here now five years and like I, I've never heard a, a crowd any better than the crowd this past weekend on senior weekend. I thought it was, it was really inspiring. The girls kept talking about it, like how loud they were and how good they were. And, you know, you expect it when you play, you know, when you play in LSU or in Alabama or Texas, you expect the crowd to be loud and, but you know you're playing Coastal Carolina as four and fourteen, and you know the the fans could have had they could have been apathetic towards that series, and they weren't because they wanted to support their seniors, and they wanted to support their team the last weekend of the year. So as always, they were spot on and tremendous, and people don't see the little things that they do. You know, I'm telling some fan about uh, a Snickerdoodle cookie story and. The next day I walk in there on my desk, a box of Snickerdoodles. And I just, they're, they're, the fans are just so special here. They cook. They do things for your team above and beyond the call of regular fans. That puts them into, you know, they become like a family of fans. Or It's just, it's a, a unique thing in college sports and a very unique place and a very unique time and I think you're going to see that just continue to grow because it's contagious and it's fun. And we're very lucky, uh, very fortunate, very appreciative of our fan base. Well, you've told me several times, Coach, you know, a lot of times in softball when you're recruiting players, a school will bring them on a football weekend. You're like, no, I want want them to be in the stands at Lamson Park to get a feel for what it's like on game day. And I'll also add that, you're a better man than me because I, you know, you just dropped that snickerdoodle story. I'd be walking around all the time, being like, "Man, I," just to let everyone know, I love Rice Krispie treats. Just put it out there. <laughs> I, would, I would, I would take advantage of it, but uh, I say kind of halfway joking. Uh, no, man, I, I appreciate it, Coach. I know last week we weren't able to chat. You were coming back from that uh, that rigorous road trip, but um, I'm sure you were glad. Uh, you and Vicar were glad to get back in Lafayette, and I know you are glad to be back at the ballpark, obviously, last weekend, but um, I know you're, you're, you're hard at work, and uh, there's still work left to be done, so we'll, uh, we'll chat with you next Monday. We'll, uh, we'll get the fans ready for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. In the meantime, best of luck up in Monroe. Safe travels, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate you. You got it. That is Louisiana Raging Cajun head softball coach Jerry Glasgow. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Get you set up for what's to come on the diamond this week. Plus, grades. What's the obsession with grades? I get it. School, you have to have grades. Is it just because it's an easy thing for a fan to quantify, to see, oh, well, they gave it this grade, that means it's good, or this one, that means it's bad, or wait, how in the heck did they do that? Because of the visceral reaction you get to it? Maybe all of it. 
And is Sarah Matthew going to sign with the Saints? We'll dig in. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Scott Show coming at you on a Monday. ESPN Lafayette, 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM. Streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. For those of you listening via the stream, brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Wilson or Champagne's going the extra mile. Shout out to the Senior Bowl. Why? Because the Senior Bowl. It's interesting that as... As we get, as, as we evolve in the NFL draft and how certain players don't want to do certain things or they hold themselves out, it makes sense for the top of the top. But because it's the cream of the crop and the tip of the top of the NFL draft and the players that are probably going one through five, one through ten, whatever, this, you know, they, they don't want to go to the senior bowl. They don't want to do a bunch of stuff at the combine other than maybe interviews because they don't want to do anything that may jeopardize their stock. But that is just such a small, minute number, small sample size of the, you know, nearly, what, 260 or so players that are drafted. I think it was 262 this year. Brock Purdy, Iowa State quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant. What about all, all the other players? The ones from the Senior Bowl, there were 106 players from the Senior Bowl game this year that were drafted, which equals the record from last year. That is 40% of the entire draft, 106 players. There were 45 players taken in rounds one through three of the Senior Bowl. All 32 teams took at least one player that performed in the Senior Bowl. The point is, there are a lot of different all-star games. There's a lot of different NFL showcase games. There are a lot of, between the combine, all this stuff, players, should I, shouldn't I, should I do the pro day, should I not, should I do the combine or not? The Senior Bowl, as time goes on, has lost none of its impact. In fact, it has only grown. So shout out to the Senior Bowl. Shout out to Jim Nagy and, and what they're doing over there. And here's here's why it's today marks another important day in the NFL. The draft is done. Now, beginning at 3 p.m. Central Time, any unrestricted free agent that signs with a team no longer will count against the compensatory draft pick formula which again is why I thought it was so stupid that the Saints didn't wait till today after three to sign Andy freaking Dalton, their backup quarterback. Anyway, doesn't matter now. What's done is done. So, Jadavion Clowney, Odell Beckham Jr., an old lineman like Dwayne Brown, 
or a safety like the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, or, or Jarvis Landry. This is the day that if they've been waiting or a team's been waiting, it's time. It's time. And Adam Schefter dropped a tweet yesterday that said, after failing to land a safety during the draft, the Saints are expected to revisit their talks with Tyron Matthew, make an aggressive push to try to add him to their roster. This may be true. It's also Matthew's agent trying to maybe up the price for Philly. It, it's those two teams that want Matthew, and his agent is going to say go to the highest bidder. And if he does sign with the Saints, you're going to hear all about the, the hometown feel. This means a lot. He could have gotten more elsewhere. Whether that's true or not, I guarantee you it's going to be part of the story, and that's the agent doing their job. But at the end of the day, all of that is just fodder. The reality is he would be on the Saints, and they could use him. This is not Champ Bailey going to the Saints, where he was, you know, I won't even say on his last leg. He was on his no legs. I have no legs. He could even make the roster. In a year where it's not like the Saints defense was um, all that great. Matthew visited with the Saints about a month ago. They chatted. He had a virtual visit with the Eagles. And if today Matthew signs, I think it will probably be with the Saints. As you get farther into this week, if he hasn't, probably with Philly. And... after that, I mean, I, I don't I don't think I think Jarvis Landry is going to sign somewhere. He's not going to get the twenty million he wants. OBJ will sign somewhere. It'll draw a lot of headlines because it's OBJ. Dwayne Brown will sign somewhere. He's still got a little left in the tank. He can perform at a high level. He can help an O line. Jadavion Clowney, that name alone is going to draw headlines. All of this could come this afternoon once you get past 3 o'clock. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Raising Cajuns, we heard Max Mitchell get the call from the Jets earlier. We played that audio for you. Two picks later, Percy Butler to the Commanders. His teammate, Farad Gardner, also signed with the Washington Commanders as a UDFA. Sean Simonak signed with the Packers as a UDFA. And Levi Lewis signing with the Seahawks as a UDFA. And that's a good place to go for Levi. You want to break in as a QB on a practice squad, on an active roster, go to a place where they're not exactly deep at the position. And where it's a it's a front office that's not always saying, well, we have to have a quarterback that has all these measurables and is this tall and this big and everything else. Right? You look at Seattle's quarterback depth chart. I mean it. Geno Smith is, I guess, the starter. He's got a lot of incentives. Right? Or is it Drew Locke? Jacob Eason is their third stringer, 
fourth-round pick out of Washington from a few years ago. You see what I'm saying? None of these guys are jumping out at you and saying, I'm the guy. Good luck to Levi, man. That's a good spot for him. It's a real good spot for him. A lot of LSU players are drafted as well. You want a rundown of where all of them went. You can head over to ESPN Lafayette. You know, the thing that stood out to me, Derek Stingley going number three overall, obviously. But most years, you have a couple of Tigers go in the first round. And more than a couple in the first, too. You didn't have your second one come off the board until pick 59. And that was Ed Ingram, who, you know, go back, go go and look back at his history at LSU and how much he was on the field off it and for different reasons. Cordell Flott didn't go until the third round. Tyrion Davis-Price, running back, pick number 93 to the Niners. Eli Mitchell's starting now. Back him up, compete with him. Cade York, kicker to the Browns, good for Cade. I mean, a picker going in round four, that, that's impressive. Neil Farrell Jr. going to the Raiders, 126th overall. Damon Clark going to the Cowboys at 176. Austin DeClewis to the Texans, pick 205. Chasen Hines to the Pats, pick 210. Andre Anthony to the Bucks, pick 248. A lot, but later in the draft. Remember 2020, where you had five go in the first round? Well, you're coming off one of the best seasons in college football history. You had more talent in. Can they get back to having that kind of top-tier NFL talent? LSU is always going to be, you know, first, second, third, fourth. I think last year they were second or third in terms of most players on NFL active rosters. Ohio State was up there high. Florida was up there high. LSU's up there high. The difference in terms of the draft this year is you didn't have as many go as high in the draft. A lot of day two picks and day three picks. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Back to grades and back to the diamond. That's coming your way next hour. 8.15, we'll visit with Raging Cajun baseball coach Matt Deggs. Coming off their series in Boone against App State. I know they're ready to be back home. They got finals and then a home series this weekend coming up Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Over at Russo Park, we'll dig into Cajun baseball with him. We'll open up phone lines next and hit on the NBA playoffs. Oh, talk about a gut punch for the Grizzlies to lose that one yesterday to the Warriors. The Bucks. oh no, Chris Middleton's gone. Oh, Giannis ain't worried about it right now anyway. What Boston's biggest issue and deficiency is going to be in that series against Milwaukee. We'll get into that as well. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. By the great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Great Scott Show. I 
am Scott Prather. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Good morning. How are we doing? How are we feeling? How would you grade your weekend? Was it good? Did you festival? Did you play sports? Did you watch sports? Did you get drafted? Maybe, maybe some of you did. Congrats to everyone who was drafted. All 262 players. To all the UDFAs. To everybody who competed. We talked Coach Glasgow last hour. A lot of UL softball. Talk to Coach Matt Deggs coming up at 8.15. Talk a little UL baseball. They uh, fall yesterday but win the series on the road at App State. And uh, now they'll come home for a series against UT Arlington this week. And no midweek games as they have finals. There is a uh, coaching show tonight over at Pete's. Diamond Sports, 6 o'clock. Coach Glasgow, Coach Deggs, Jay Walker will be there. We'll have it for you on our airwaves as well. But how was your weekend? How would you grade it? There is, I don't know when it started, who the first to do it was, but grades are easy to understand, right? They're elementary. A, good. B, Okay, C, average. D, below average. F, you failed. You learn at a pretty young age the letter system in terms of grades. And, you know, as sports fans, we like things simple. I've asked a question uh, on a grading scale. What, what letter grade would you give your team's performance here? Or would you give yourself? Or would you do this? Or da 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 But when it comes to drafts and trades in the NFL, in the NBA, in the MLB, in any sport, there is an immediate grade given out. And that is like getting into a class or getting into a school and saying, oh, man, I I just got into Caltech, going to give it an A. Well, I don't know if you're going to get an A. Are you going to get an A? Are you going to transfer? Is it going to work out for you? Is Caltech going to be great for you? I get it's where you want it to be right now. I get they want it to right now. But is this going to work out? Why don't we wait till we grade this? Why don't we wait till we grade this companionship? So we do. And... I've seen every letter grade for the Saints from notable, reputable websites, sports writers, analysts. I have, the, I have seen everything, and I kid you not, from A to F. Now, outside of some petty fans of fan bases that might throw up what someone graded a draft from years back, No one's going to remember these draft grades everyone's handing out. Are you going to remember that someone gave the Saints an A? Heck, if you are, in three years from now, the the class is doing really great. No one's going to be like, remember when the guy did this? Now, if the class is doing really bad, maybe one or two people will tease them. But that's really not how it works. If you give a, a, a team a bad draft grade and it turns out to be a good class some of their fans will quote tweet it or put it on instagram or whatever three or four years from now when it turns out the players are pretty good tease them people have likes they won't even remember the name of the analyst or the pundit my point is you get wrapped up in the grades no one is going to remember because the grades do not matter right now 
They are pointless. Grade the draft in three years. Oh, well, the Saints gave up too much. They traded next year's first. They traded a 2024 second just to get another first-round pick. They got rid of a third-round pick. They got rid of a fourth-round pick just to move up to get their guy. That is a whole lot to give up. A third, a fourth, a second, a first just to move up and get Chris Olive. It is a lot to give up. I don't disagree with that at all. That's a fact. Saints, despite having a bunch of compensatory picks going into this year's draft, only finished by drafting five players. Only one other team had that few. That'd be the Dolphins. And some of that was because, you know, they made trades for guys like Tyreek Hill. And then the flip side is, well, if Olive turns out to be a great wide receiver who does a ton, who proves to be a big missing piece who proves to be uh, somebody that's as good as a Justin Jefferson or just thinking about players that came into the league and performed at a high level right away and teamed up next to an all-pro. That's what Justin Jefferson did in Minnesota. That's what Olive is going to do in New Orleans. Then you're not going to remember, oh, yeah, but, you know, the Saints could have also had this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy had they just, no, he's going to stay there. If Jonathan Sullivan had turned into... Halodian Gata, nobody would remember, oh, man, the Saints, two first-round picks. They could have had Palomalu and this other guy. You start remembering who you didn't pick and another team did when the player stinks. When they play well, you just say, man, what a great draft. And you do that in a couple of years, guys. Letter grades are easy. They're, they get a visceral reaction Everybody wants to talk about it. And I have no issues using letter grade. I I get why it's done this way. I have no issue with anyone saying, how would you rate the team's performance on the road in the game they just played? I'd give it a B for this reason. Give it an A for this reason. Give it an F for this reason. Whatever. But that, that doesn't get used that often. Most of the time, when it comes to the sports analyst side of things, the letter grades are given to things that have yet to play out, like a trade or a draft. The draft is in the books. It is not played out yet. It's going to play out on the field. So you can you could get whatever grade you want. The Saints are that confident in their ability to evaluate talent that they're going to do whatever they have to do to get the players they think are really good. The Patriots, they're probably... Confident in their ability to evaluate talent? I would say they probably are, and yet nobody whiffs on more draft picks than the Patriots. Now, on average, that might not be the case if you're going by per pick, but the Pats stack up on picks all the time. They had 10 picks this year. Those 10 guys aren't going to be on the team, but if they happen to hit on a couple of them, oh, my God, they took Cole Strange, what? Guy proves to be pretty good in New England. No one's going to care. If not, yeah, they'll they'll rip him. But, all oh, the great Belichick, he can do no wrong. Every team has a different philosophy. At the end of the day, are you winning? If you are, then your drafts are working. You can say, all oh, the Rams way. They've traded a bunch of stuff, and they won. Let me tell you something. They've drafted some of the guys on that team. Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup have always been Rams. Yeah, they've given up picks to acquire talent to go help them win a Super Bowl. I get that point. But don't act like they don't have some players on that team that they themselves drafted.
they do. You want to see a bad football team that's been bad for a while? I'll show you some bad drafts. It's simple. Doug emails. Scott, I heard you talking about Tyron Matthew. Why do you think this saint should get him? Seems like he's a bit older. It doesn't work. Look, the the Saints have one massive need that they didn't address over the weekend, and that's safety. And the Saints, whether you believe they can or not, they feel like they can be at the top of the standings in the NFC South. That's how they're operating. They're not operating like a team thinking three, four years down the road. If you want to argue whether they should or not, they to each your own. I'm just telling you how they're viewing it. And if Dennis Allen looks at Marcus May and says, eh, I think he's more a strong safety than a free safety. Eh. You bring in a Tyron Matthew and you're able to use interchangeable safeties, disguise coverages, do the things that Dennis Allen showed he wants to do as a DC. You saw those tendencies then you've got a guy in Tyron Matthew that fits the mold of what the Saints want to do. Go down in the box, get get dirty in the box, make plays. You want to have some deep range, you can do that. You want to have some safeties in May and CJGJ and guys that can play multiple positions. You have three interchangeable safeties that can play multiple positions. That's like Dennis Allen's dream, specific kind of dream. Saints need to make the money make sense, though. They have $20 million available cap space. While that money can get rolled over to help next year's expenses, uh, the Saints think more in the now than in the four years from now. After 3 o'clock today, I, I would not be surprised if he does sign with New Orleans. Not at all. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, Raging Cajun baseball coach. Matt Deggs, back from Boone, back from a road trip, back in Lafayette where the Cajuns will be back on the diamond in front of their fans this upcoming weekend. we got a lot to get into with Rage Cajun head baseball coach Matt Deggs, and he will join us next right here on the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. <laughs> Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? They all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports.
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Joining me now, the head coach of Louisiana Raging Cajun Baseball. The Cajuns uh, win two of three on the road in Boone. Their feet are now back in the boot. Flew back yesterday and uh, have a home series coming up Friday, Saturday, Sunday against UT Arlington. Let's welcome him on board. Good morning, Coach Matt Deggs. How are you, my friend? Hey, good morning. Good morning, Scotty. I'm doing great. Doing great. How are you? It's a Monday. We need we need 48 hours yeah. in a Monday. It's a great Monday. <laughs> it is a Monday, buddy. It is a Monday. Ready to get this week started. Yeah, man. Um, I, you know, I wanted to, first off, general question, then I wanted to get in, into a little bit more of a, a, a deeper conversation on what's happening on the diamond. But overall, right, you got the series, two wins, a lot of offense, a lot of hits, but then on Sunday – it's a loss. How do you come away from the series in Boone feeling about your team right now? Um, any different than you did going into that series? About about the same? Where are you at? No, I, I mean, anytime you win two or three on the road, that's a victory. And, uh, you know, we had a chance to, to sweep. And, and you, I mean, you, you want to definitely take advantage of those opportunities. But, uh, you know, just – to keep it in perspective, I mean, that's five out of six on the road real quick, like, and uh, go into that game and you've put yourself in a position to make school history. You know, it's never been done back to back to back sweeps on the road. And uh, I didn't even know that. And Jay was telling me and I was like, dang, we didn't do that in 14. And he said, no. And uh, that's pretty impressive. Didn't do it in 2000 or 14 and, or any of the great teams. And uh, we were right there, man. And I think the perspective is, when do you lose that that one game? You know, if you lose it first and then win the rest of them in a row, you know, everybody's talking about how great you are. Uh, But you drop that last one, and it's just kind of like popping a balloon. It's just, it's it's just not, you don't ever want to lose the last one. Makes for a different uh, flight, right? It makes for a different flight. Yeah, there was a we're, – we, we're bad losers over here, man. And yeah, I did. Uh, you know, you win two out of three and, you know, either drop the first one and win the next two or, uh, you know, drop the middle one. Nobody wants to lose the last one. Well, even with that loss, Coach um... – you still got so much of what you want to accomplish right in front of you. You know, uh, Texas State's three games up in the in the conference. Thank God uh, they lost yesterday, you know, because that could have got ugly. I mean, Georgia Southern's right behind them. You guys took two or three from them, and there you are in third right now. And I know it's only a half game up on Coastal and a game up on Troy. I mean, that's just one through five is so compact right now. And the good news is you guys are right in the middle of it. I mean, you, you can still – one of those goals is winning conference. It's still right there in front of you. And, um, oh, heck yeah. It's, that's, that's a good place to be when you reach the month of May. No doubt. I mean, for a day, we were in second place. I mean, we're tied with Georgia Southern, but we're on the series against them. And, uh, you know, it's uh, every, you're exactly right. We're, look, we're in a good spot. We're, we're finishers over here, man. I mean, you go to the dog track and you get it that dog jumps out, man, and it excites everybody that fades. We're, we're that dog that's just kind of in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, going to finish strong. 
And uh, I got no doubt about that. It's just, you know, the RPI game is so frustrating at our level because the bigger schools, you know, they drop a game on the road and it doesn't hurt them. We drop a game, we fell 12 spots, you know. We've hovered from 36 to 50 in the RPI. And uh, it's just, you can pick your non-conference opponent. You can't pick your conference, man. And it's a different game for us because there's no margin of error. In in baseball, you got to have a, a big margin of error because it's baseball, right? I mean, it's uh, it's baseball. It's a game of failure. It's it's not that you're going to fail. It's about you know how you're going to respond to it. Um, and that's just look, we hit is. balls all over the park hard yesterday. Like nobody's hitting the ball harder than us right now. And uh, well, those balls yesterday were caught, and then they made some great plays yesterday that they just hadn't been making, quite frankly. And uh, their team played really well. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's like you said, it's baseball. They had a kid pitch it, and he bent, but he didn't break. And they were able to, to hit the ball all over the ballpark. Uh, you know, so it is what it is. A lot of offense this weekend. How much of that is about that ballpark, Beaver Field, at Jim and Betty Smith Stadium? And Oh, man, that place is gorgeous. That that whole I don't know if you've been over there, but that whole area is just pristine, man. Just uh hats off to that that town, the university, the community, everything, man. It's uh very inviting and, and uh just very uh clean and just it's just gorgeous. Obviously they have a naturally gorgeous setting. And uh yeah, it was now, the ballpark, our team likes it, I promise you that. Yeah. It's 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 big, but probably because of this elevation, and you're you're kind of sitting in you know the mountains at the top, and uh, so it's a wind that probably swirls, but the wind was negligible because of the elevation. Like Jew, I promise you, likes this ballpark. I mean, he's running balls out the wrong way. And, uh, I mean, it's it was a fun place to hit. Yeah, Julian Brock, great. It was weekend. big though. That's a big ballpark. He um it's three eighty five in their gaps. Well, if it was thirty or if it was small ahead. if it was smaller with the altitude coach, I mean I, I don't it'd be hard for him to recruit. Now, that would pitchers be really there. fun. <laughs> I don't I don't know that they could get any pitchers that would want to go there though, you know? Well, they could have position guys just pitch and, and hit. <laughs> um you mentioned Julian Brock, uh big weekend for him. I, I you know, on Saturday I know he three hits, a homer and um, he kind of highlights the next thing I wanted to ask you about. It was something I was I was kind of asking Brad Topham about a little bit, you know, try to pick his brain on things. And you've talked about sort of um, adjusting to the game and then the game adjusts to you, right? And then you have to go back. The idea of, well, guys started out good, scouting report got out, and then they had to adjust to that. Seems like Julian, you, you look at him, that's kind of been his story, right? He he was great, game adjusted, and then he adjusted to that. And right now, he's just he's, he's he's looking fantastic, right? He's looking like a guy that is a prospect to play at the next level. Um, I, I guess from somebody that's that's been in the game as long as you have, coach, how hard is the? And I know it's never ending, right? I know it's it's not as simple as I'm making it out to be, but for 
for for Cliff's notes reasons and to keep it short, let's look at it from that three step process of you're good, game adjusts to you. Now you're struggling. Now you got to adjust to the game. How hard is the last leg of that? Right. Once the game adjusts to you, and then you have to adjust to the game. The last leg of that for a college player. How difficult is that? Because I imagine in the process, it's the hardest one to do. Yeah, that's the separator. That's uh, that's why ninety nine percent of them are going to go get a real job after this. That's the separator. Is having aptitude, which is the ability to make adjustments, and then being willing to use that aptitude and make the adjustments. And it's a game of adjusting. And not only does the game adjust to you, but see, in the box, man, there's so many variables, right? And like for Julian, for instance, he has to have really good balance off his backside, okay? And do what I call catch the ball. And I'm talking about when he's hitting. But if that were to go... Let's say he's out of sync just a hair. Now, are they adjusting to you, or is it something you're doing, right? So that's why the game's so crazy, or both, right? And the guys that are athletic and have aptitude, those are the ones that keep moving. And then, you know, guys that love to play and and can play in big stadiums, uh, those are the guys that get there. Coach Matt Diggs, our guest. In terms of your starting pitching right now, you got a lot of experience with the, the guys on the weekend where where do you feel like those guys are in that discussion, right? Adjusting to the game, game adjusting to them. Are they at a certain stage in that right now in your mind? Yeah, I think it's it's a lot of matchup driven. Uh, you know, those are our guys, and that's what we have. And they're going to figure it out, and I have no doubt about that. Uh They've had great outings, and we've had outings where it's been rough. But that's everybody, right? Everybody's going to go through that stuff. They're they're a workmanlike three starters. That are, we know what we're going to get, and uh, we know when it's good, and we know when it's not so good. And but we believe in them, and everybody's behind them, and and you know that's that's what we're going with. Coach Matt Deggs, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. No doubt, you got UT Arlington this weekend, but another week with no midweek games. I know it's finals week. Uh, and then after that, you know, you've got some scheduled midweek games the following week, part of a longer road trip. And then you got Nichols after that later in the season. Do you, as a guy that wants to play, as you told me every single day, um, you're going to do what's best with the time you're given, right? You're going to, okay, what do, how do I, we don't have a midweek game. Here's what I'm going to do. But is that, is that discipline been some, has that been a tough journey for you coach? Like, all right, I'm going to work on the game, but, man, I wish there was an actual game today. Like the discipline of not getting too caught up in that. How do I word this? How do you channel your competitive energy that you use on game day when you don't have a midweek game? How do you channel that competitive energy into your job when it's not, okay, we're getting on the diamond tonight? Yeah, I mean, it's, so much of what you do is not even on the diamond. So it's not a whole lot different uh, at this level. Now, if it was, you know, minor league baseball, you play 142 games or at the big league level, 162, whatever it is, uh, you know, that's, you, you play everyday. Baseball's an everyday game because it's, it's a repetitious game. 
But this week's a little bit different in the fact that, I mean, we've got to pass our classes, man. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, we've got, personally, we're on a 13-semester streak of 3.0 or better, which is pretty good. Uh, you know, I think uh, so we get this semester 3.0 or better. That's 14. That's seven straight years. Yeah. Uh, which is something that I'm pretty proud of because it speaks to, uh, you know, what our program is all about, not only on the field, but off the field. And uh, because that's where you're going to spend the majority of your life, right, is off the field. Like what we get to do as coaches or guys that get to play forever, like that's very, very rare. Most of these guys are going to go out, and, and we want to make sure that we're turning out uh, guys from this program that are prepared to be servant leaders and strong men that stand for something and great family guys and great, you know, just great business people or whatever it is they do. And so this uh, having to take a break because of the academic side of it is, is uh, not only necessary, but it's at the end of the day, what we're, what we're all about, you know, trying to get these guys graduated and, I tell them in the recruiter, you know, when we recruit them, that's the number one thing you'll do here is get that degree. And, uh, you know, because that's the master key. That'll open up every door. It doesn't mean you're any smarter than anybody. It just means that you started something. You learned how to network and navigate and work with other people. And you saw it through to completion. And uh, it's the network and the navigation that you'll take with you, and that'll open up doors for you for the rest of your life. Coach Matt Deggs, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. You'll be back on the Diamond Friday, uh, Alumni Weekend. Um, you have Mother's Day on Sunday as well. Um, 6 o'clock Friday, 4 o'clock Saturday, 1 o'clock Sunday. Schedule first pitch. Pre-game 30 minutes prior. Jay Walker, Brad Topham on the call from Learfield. You can hear it on our sibling station, uh, 96.5 KPEL. Um, going down the final stretch here, Coach, uh, what, what, what area of your team at this point in the season, as you're in May, do you it's almost there but it's not there yet what what in terms of the month of may in the regular season do you want to see this team do or accomplish that in your mind they they they're close but they haven't gotten there yet well our offense has become really really deadly and uh you know very very hard to handle and I still don't feel like we're where we can be, uh, you know, one through nine. And that is something that I think we're going to continue to get better at and even more exciting. I think we've trended upward the entire year, uh, coming up on 100 stolen bases. Uh, in the month of April, we hit, you know, over 300. Uh, slug over 450 on base coming up around 400, like some really exciting numbers. And I know that we're, you know, we got guys that can still get better, which that's pretty cool. Uh, defensively, you know, we got to stay focused. We had a few, few mistakes this weekend that just, that's, you know, that'll get us beat in the postseason. Uh, but man, the defense has really come on, you know, lead the league in defense and hitting, uh, I think, yeah, in conference we're hitting right at 300, pitching about a three something. And then on the mound, you know, it's just continuing to develop guys that can come in and help us in a tournament or regional setting, uh, because it's going to take 
you know, seven, eight guys uh, to win a tournament or a regional and uh, continue to cut out some of the freebies. Our guys compete very hard and, uh, you know, just staying focused and, uh, you know, being able to, uh, to play in the moment. And I promise you, there's nothing too big for these guys because they love to play and they've proven that. And they're great finishers. I can't. When did we drop a Sunday game? When was the last Sunday game? I can't remember. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I'd have to think about it, Coach. It's been, maybe Troy. Yeah, it was Troy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first series. So, first. You know, we've won six straight series. I don't think that's happened since 2016. And I just want to see us just continue to grind it out and uh, play tough baseball. And, and I know there's a lot of baseball between now and the conference tournament, but, you know, since you mentioned it, just one more thought from you, Coach, um, on the coaching in the Sun Belt. You know, we were talking last week about RPI and what it might look like in the conference next year when you're adding some teams. But we also highlighted on what it is this year but I, I look at the coaching in this league and the team y'all just played, App State seems to be getting – they're improving each week, right? Uh, Little Rock has climbed up the standings. They're, they don't have as many wins as the teams in sixth place, but they're tied in terms of the losses. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking of the conference tournament, and, and, yeah, we're putting a lot of emphasis on who's in, who's out, double elimination, who's in the top six. But with the coaching currently in this league, man, it's – I, I, it's going to be a grind, obviously, and I would tell some folks, man, for some of these games, you might have to expect the unexpected because uh, once you get to that tournament, I think this year, maybe more than some years, it's there's going to be some favorites, Coach, but I feel like it's going to be pretty open, and I think the big part of that is the coaching in this league, which I've I've paid a you know I. I'm not going to dog any coaches from the past and say, oh, well, this year was this, this year was that. I'm just talking about currently. And currently, I think it's it's really, really high up when you look at leagues across the country. For sure. There, I mean, everybody uh, has invested so much in baseball, and they're going to continue to invest. And, uh, you know, that's just the state of our game right now. And, and we're going to add Old Dominion as a stud and, you know, Southern Miss and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to be an incredible baseball league. But I'll, I'll tell you this. I can't speak to everybody's coaching, but, I mean, everybody's good. Uh, whoever hits will win that tournament. I mean, the, the offense you're starting to see is, is not just us. It's when things get heated up, when the sun comes out and gets hot and you've seen all the pitching, you're going to hit, and that's what happens. So... And the teams that hit in the tournament don't have a shot to win it. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I appreciate it, Coach. All the best. Yep. Always love our Monday talks, and uh, we'll talk to you. Have uh, a great week. The day after Mother's Day. All the best, man. We'll see you. All right. Bye. That is Coach Matt Deggs. When we come back, my guess is the signing won't be finalized until a little bit later, post 3 p.m., we're talking about Tyron Matthew. Guess what? He signed with the Saints. More on that coming your way next on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. 
You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. into the great Scott show ESPN Live. He had the best ticket in sport. What you want. If you had asked Dennis Allen that question this morning, the Saints head coach probably would have told you Tyron Matthew. Told you. Told you. Probably going to sign today and it's probably going to be with the Saints. Now the official deal won't be inked until post 3 p.m. Whether that be today, tomorrow, Wednesday, it doesn't matter. Tyron Matthew is signing with the Saints. And when you have a draft where you don't address one of your big needs and you address it after, don't know the details yet or anything like that. Just know he's going to sign with the Saints. Add Matthew to that secondary, that's a big get. That is a big get for Dennis Allen. And as I said earlier, a big reason why. You see, we, we, I, I spent a lot of time leading up to the draft about Dennis Allen and... Do we have a read on how he wants to approach the draft? There are reports out there he really wanted Jordan Davis, and the, the other guys were like, no, 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 look, just just focus on offense. You really need offense. Just do this. Pete Carmichael was like, please. And maybe that's the difference right there between Dennis Allen and Sean Payton, because if Sean Payton wanted somebody, it doesn't matter. He was just going to take him. But what we do know about Dennis Allen is his tendencies as a D coordinator, as a play caller, as a former defensive backs coach. Right? That strong defense with safeties that have enough range to play deep can go in the box and get dirty there as well, play up near the line, tackle, be physical. You want three interchangeable safeties, Dennis Allen? Well, now you got him. And maybe one of the best in the game in terms of interchangeable and Tyron Matthew. Because when the Saints signed Marcus May, it was, is he going to be a strong safety? Is he going to be a free safety? Oh, no, wait, Malcolm Jenkins is retiring? Okay, all right, what now? So Marcus Williams is gone and Malcolm Jenkins is gone. Now you have Marcus May, Tyron Matthew, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson, C.D. Deuce, who, call him a corner, call him a safety, call him whatever you want, the guy plays multiple spots in the secondary. 
are any of those guys as as good as Marcus Williams at a particular thing? Maybe not, but you talk about having some guys that make you dynamic at the back end of the secondary. It's big. And signing before the draft didn't make sense. Like I've told you guys about Andy Dalton, made zero sense. If he was going to wait, then you wait. See how the draft plays out. See where you're most needed. See if you can keep a compensatory pick, possibly. The team needed a safety. And Tyron Matthew was a safety that needed a team. This isn't the perfect fit because he's from New Orleans and he played at LSU and it's a homecoming. And all of that is just the icing. The cake of this is the fit on the football field. That's the cake of this deal. The other stuff, heck, it's not even it, it's not even all the icing. It's just the little decorations on top. Happy birthday to my son, by the way. Speaking of decorating cakes. That's big, y'all. That's big. Now, no, I don't I don't think I don't think the honey badger is gonna be, you know, begging Taysom Hill to give him the number seven. I think he'll probably wear. 32 or what he's worn in the NFL. But that was a big need, and that is big news. 337-269-1077. Phone lines are now open. If anybody wants to get in on the show, um, do not have the the deal the, the the details of the deal have not been released yet but it's going to happen it's been agreed upon terms of the deal have been agreed upon and i expect them to sell a lot of jerseys a whole lot of jerseys so Matthew coming to the Saints from the Chiefs, where he won a Super Bowl. He was named to an all-pro team, made multiple Pro Bowls. He'll be 30 when next season starts. Um, it's big. On an all-decade team, NFL all-pro, first team three times. He stays healthy. This is, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not overselling this. In terms of drafts, well, these are college guys. We don't know the fit quite yet. You think it's going to be this. In terms of just signings, okay. Speaking of letter grades, why are we dealing with it? That, that's, a, that's an A signing for the Saints. That's what that is. That's big. That's big. Saints have 20 million cap space. They can roll it over the next year. I don't know what the deal's going to be. I don't know if it's multi. I don't know any of that. We don't know yet. But it made a lot of sense. And this is big news. I get why Saints fans are excited. Clark emails. Scott, you said it earlier. I heard you last hour say Matthew was probably signing with the Saints today. What made you think it was going to happen? Well, I, I think based on what happened in the draft and the fact that it was really a, a two-horse race between the Saints and the Eagles, um, 
And because, look, there are going to be some other big names that you'll hear about agreeing to deals today, I think. Not just Matthew. Now, I don't know if it'll be with the Saints. I think they got their guy. But Dwayne Brown, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., Jadavion Clowney. It's the 3 o'clock deadline where teams can sign a player after 3 p.m. if they are an unrestricted free agent and it doesn't mess with a compensatory compensatory potential compensatory pick in, in future drafts. It's big for Matthew. Now I think the Saints still have, you know, I, I don't I think the, I think they're really poor at tight end. I think they could use more depth on the O line. I think they need a run another running back. And I think the Saints need to still address a number of things. But I would say the last big need on the defensive side of it, they just addressed it and they knocked it out the park. Carl emails. By the way, any of you can email me, scott at espnlafayette.com. Scott, Saints have a history of being good with undrafted free agents. Any you think will make an impact from this year's class? Uh, I, I, I have no idea. I hope I would just be guessing. I, I'll say this. I'll say this. I don't. I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Boy, let me tell you something." This kicker, John Parker Roma out of Virginia Tech. I don't. I don't. Come on. I can't tell you about an old lineman from Montana State. Maybe he's out of camp day one. Maybe he's not. I think for a lot of times when you look at a guy, you're just kind of projecting. You're just guessing. But there is one player that I saw play in person, and I can tell you. Deshaun Dixon out of Nickel State. He is from New Orleans. He eclipsed over a thousand yard receiving uh, multiple times in his college career. At Nichols last year, he had over a thousand yards receiving. I saw that guy at Cajun Field against UL early last season, and I was. It was the best. Re- he was the best receiver on the field for either team that day. I try to disrespect Cajun receivers, I mean, a lot of them last year, but Deshaun Dixon, my goodness. And because it's a position where they're pretty thin at, yeah, let me give you that one. Let me give you that one, Clark. We'll, we'll roll with Deshaun, because at least I've seen him play. I haven't put in the tape on Rashid Shahid, the wide receiver out of Weber State, who caught 39 passes last year. Now, I do remember watching DeMarcus Fields play at Texas Tech, cornerback, who maybe has a good chance to make the team. Why? Because he's a corner that can play corner or safety. And again, Dennis Allen... He likes his DBs to be versatile. Multiple. That's what he likes. Appreciate the email. Scott at ESPNLafayette.com. You can tweet the show as well. At ESPNLafayette is the handle. A lot of people enjoying this one. Uh, Dale emails. Scott. How many Ragin' Cajuns sign undrafted free agent deals? I've kind of been out of the loop. Uh, to my knowledge, three. Three. Levi Lewis with the Seahawks, Farad Gardner with the Washington football team, and Chauncey Manack with the Green Bay Packers. And, of course, you had Max Mitchell and Percy Butler go 111 and 113 overall. If you missed it, this is Max Mitchell getting the call. From the Jets, 
I was good to hear a voice on the other end of the line. You know, was Max going to go in round three, four, five, six, anywhere in that range? Well, he ended up going four. Pretty cool. Oh, is this Max? Max, what's up? This is Chris Nolan from the New York Jets. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? So uh, I don't know if you remember me, but I was the area scout who uh, fall camp. I talked to you. I, I met you at the Senior Bowl. But absolutely, we're, uh, we're we're taking you here with our pick. Oh man, thank you so much. <laughs> you excited? Oh my God, I'm so excited, I'm man. Excited thank y'all. I've never done this before either, so it's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. Let's go, Max. Let's do it. Hey, Max, Joe yeah, Douglas go. with the Jets. Yeah, How you so doing, man? Doing? I'm we got good, fired up good. draft room right now, bro. Oh, man. Welcome, welcome to the Jets, man. Max, Thank what's you. going on, brother? How you doing? I'm great. Congratulations. Dreams come true, right? Oh, um, my goodness. We're, we're I can't excited. believe it. We're excited to make this pick. You could hear the room. There's a lot of guys really excited about your ability to come in here, compete, and uh, make a difference out here, man. Are you ready to do that? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'm ready to go. Hey, Max, you hear the, uh, hear the yelling in the background? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you hear that? Max, that's all for you, man. We're so happy to have oh, you. Let's go. So oh, I'm, I'm happy to <laughs> No, this is this is really, really big and you're gonna love it here. Cool stuff. Man, I'd love to hear what uh huh. I'd love to hear what Dennis Allen sounded like on the phone today when he got the call this morning that Tyron Matthew was signing with the Saints. That Talk about excitement on the other line. That dude must have been cheering harder and reacted with more emotion than Draymond Green whenever he's given it to the Grizzlies fans as he gets ejected. That was a for the Grizzlies to be at home and lose by one to that team in that environment. Oof. That's tough. That ain't the T Wolves. The Warriors aren't a team that's going to blow a bunch of leads. Draymond is. In terms of the kind of fouls Draymond has given over the years that deserved an ejection, honestly, that wasn't one of them. It was a hard foul, but come on. But nobody plays the heel better than that dude. He's just giving, he's just provoking the fan base even more. And then when Golden State escapes with the win, he comes out all back onto the court, high fiving his fans giving that smirk to the Memphis fans. That's just hate it or love it, man. That's entertainment. As far as Milwaukee and Boston go, Boston just, they don't, they don't have the size. I mean, they got three starters in Milwaukee's lineup and no, no one on, on, on the Celtics who has, who plays at all is even, you know, remotely as tall as that. They made 10 shots from within the arc, the entire game. Prior to that, Boston had never made less than 14. In over 6,630 games in the history of the Boston Celtics, they had never had a game where they made less than 14 field goals from within the arc. Yesterday, they made 10. And they lost by 12. And Giannis is... He's the Greek freak. Tomorrow, more on the Saints, the signing of the Honey Badger. Jay Walker in studio. It's going to be awesome. Don't go anywhere. The Dan Patrick Show is next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.